reconvene the City Council. We will start with a Pledge of Allegiance. Um, Katie Barrow, since you're with us today, would you lead us in the pledge? I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the Republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Thank you. Kirk will take roll call, please. Councilmember Hansen. Present. Councilmember Mullaney. Present. Councilmember Peabody. Present. Mayor Pro Tem Mertens. Present. Mayor Roche. Here. Uh, approval of the final agenda. I do believe we have. Um, are we adding an item, Mr. Deitch? Thank you. Uh, yes, Mayor and Council members. Mayor and Council, we'd like to recommend that you add an item under uh, general business. I'm not sure which number in success. E. Letter E. 7E it would be. It's an appropriation item for the City Council. It would be to appropriate a sum of money up to $10,000 in order to retain an investigator to determine the financial capability of a certain developer to complete a project within the city. Uh, there are two findings you'd have to make in order to add an item to the agenda, and you'd have to add it by a two-thirds vote of all those uh, uh, on the council. The first finding would be that there's a need to take immediate action, and in support of that I can tell you that the facts are that uh, it's necessary to undertake and complete an investigation as reasonably quickly as possible in light of specific circumstances pertaining to a proposed development. Uh, the second finding is that the need to take action arose after the agenda was posted. I can tell you that the need arose uh, uh, today, which is after the agenda was posted for this regular meeting, uh, and uh, was not known by staff in advance of today. And for that reason, in my opinion, you can make the required second finding in order to uh, have a motion to add the item to the agenda and then vote upon it. Thank right. you. Do we need to do those findings individually? Well, I recommend uh, that you entertain a motion based on the two findings together. Okay then ask for a second, and if seconded, then conduct a vote to add it. Again, it takes a two-thirds or better vote. Right. All right. May I have a motion? To I'll add? move to approve. Second. And there's a second. Uh, all in favor of adding the agenda item? Aye. 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 Opposed? Um, and so we will add the item as, uh, let's see, 7, 7 e. e. Correct. Okay. Mayor. Yes. Uh, another agenda item, please, and before I give my comments to it, uh, basically on this agenda item, I think it needs to be clarified that the reason the item was brought up in the first place is because in the existing documents there are ambiguities, inequality, fairness issues, and an attempt to avoid potential litigation. And 
there was no, as has been written by some people, when I brought this issue up, there was no agenda, there was no hidden motives, and there was no special interest as stated in some emails. I want to thank those that have given legitimate, honest opinions, both pro and con, to this issue, and I feel that those responses were very professional. But I do want to say it's unfortunate to make things, to bring things to a personal level, personal not being a positive, being a negative. And I would ask in the future that when issues come up that we all can agree to disagree and do it professionally and without demeaning any individual. With that, I'm going to ask that 7A be pulled. Second. All right. Um, Call a question. Mr. Mayor and Council, I recommend that uh, you proceed accordingly. There was a motion and a second to pull item 7A off the agenda entirely, and it would be appropriate to have a vote on that. All right. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Opposed? No. no. All right. It stays on the agenda. Motion carried uh, three to no. Motion failed um, two to three. That, did I say it right? I think so. All right. So uh, with that in mind, uh, approval of the final agenda will include uh, the added item and uh, keeping the other item on the agenda. Um, without objection at this point, we will approve the final agenda uh, unanimously. All right? No objection. Thank you. All right, we move on to public comments. Um, there's been a question on, on why um, we need to read all of this at any time. Um, so let me um, make it a little more concise and just say anyone wishing to make a public comment needs to fill out this blue form um, in advance. You can speak to the council on any item. If it's an agenda item, you address the council at the time of the agenda item. And please keep your comments to three minutes. Um, and the only other caveat is that the council um, really is not in a position of making any decisions other than possibly referring to staff. Is that all right, Mr. Deitch? Okay. Um, do we have any uh, public comments? Well, that's on uh, the item uh, seven. Um. That's your call. Okay, that's going to be one of his, I think. So it's an agenda item. But it's one that you're going to take. But we are taking up. It failed. Question is comment. Question is comment. Oh, I Your see. previous motion was that you weren't going to take any comment. That was a motion approved the last city council. You're right. Okay, so we better do it now. All right, we have um, uh, Shirley Gill, or Sheila Gill, please.
Good afternoon, Mayor and Council Members. I'm back. Um, I am putting this out now because you had said at the last meeting that there wouldn't be any further public comments allowed about, allowed about property owner cards. I strenuously object to the City Council denying the public from making public comments regarding an item that has been continued from one City Council meeting to the next. There's absolutely no justification for this. As a matter of fact, if a council member has not had the opportunity to hear those public comments, how could that individual make an informed decision? This needs to be started over again as if it had never been heard before. Thank you. Uh, next, Denny Booth. City Council members, city staff, and people who are attending this meeting today. My name is Denny Booth, a homeowner living in Indian Wells since 1998. Before I start my presentation, reverence will be made to Indian Wells residents. This means individuals who have the right to vote in our city elections homeowners or not. Today there is going to be a long contentious council member only discussion regarding who gets a, an Indian Wells property owner's card, which is good for one year. It allows the cardholder to tend various city living desert and tennis garden functions at no cost to the cardholder. Other benefits are reduced golf fees for play on the city-owned golf courses and a 20% discount on meals at the IW Club and hotels in Indian Wells. You will need to stay focused on the problem while discussing the matter, which will help you make the right decision regarding it. To help you do this, I suggest changing the name on the card to the Indian Wells Homeowner Card, which is given to both Indian Wells residents and homeowners who live here seasonally, the cards being renewed annually. And I recommend you establish two Indian Wells Home Renters Cards for individuals who are residents of Indian Wells renewing these cards annually. I would suggest that this does, this does not create a control problem as the city staff has and will argue. The control is the annual renewal of the card. It may require some program changes to identify the Indian Wells home renter residents. One res Indian Wells, could I have one more minute. Sure. Uh, one Indian Wells resident homeowner's renter's card would not include golf privileges for those who do not play golf. The second Indian Wells resident homeowner card would entitle the cardholder to the same benefits 
as the Indian Wells homeowner card. Indian Wells residents renting Indian Wells affordable housing who are now given the Indian Wells property owner's card by the city council at no cost to them would be given the new Indian Wells homeowner's card. In closing, the city council should stop treating Indian Wells residents that have lived in our city year-round for many years as second-class citizens. They are every bit our equals, and they should be treated accordingly. This means giving them access to these renter cards. A possible solution, establish a purchase price for the cards that would be paid annually by the homeowner or the lessee. Denny Booth, an Indian Wells resident homeowner. Thank you, Denny. Uh, next is Robert Beeney. Hello again. Hi. I was here this morning. Uh, I'm Robert Beeney. I live in Indian Wells, and I'm here today uh, to continue the discussion on the increase in the green fees or golf rates for uh, guests of residence at the resort. Um, a few days ago, or a week or so ago, I got an unsigned memorandum from the city saying these were going to be increased, and it was a surprise because I heard nothing about it before. Uh, I asked my neighbor, Mr. Elchuk, who's a better city council watcher than I am, uh, what's it all about, and he said, oh, it's whatever Andy said about these things. But the nub of it was it, it had never gone through the council. The council didn't, hadn't approved it and still hadn't approved it. And I said, well, I think they have to, don't they? You can't do something like that. And so I looked into the matter, and I had corresponded with the city manager and, uh, more latterly, uh, with the city council. Uh, the city attorney this morning, um, uh, after he was uh, required to by a vote, uh, has made the memorandum, his legal memorandum, on this public, and it is on the website. I don't want to go into it at long length because this is the wrong time to do it, uh, but along with one of the councillors this morning, I can say that I uh, totally disagree with his conclusions. Um, for a start, he, it's what he leaves out uh, in this. In the assumptions to the budget for this year, in the key, key budget assumptions and overview for this fiscal year, there is a bold statement, we will not exercise a rate increase this year. Then I get a memo, unsigned, instituting a rate increase. So who's on first? It doesn't make sense. I look into it further, and we look at the... Before I go on, I should say the conclusion of the city attorney is that Troon can pretty much do what they like, setting golf rates. And it's not the council's business, it's Troon's business, uh, which uh, I don't think many in this room are going to agree with. Um, Troon is in the business of making money, and we want them to, but if we let them set all the rates, uh, it, it just does not make sense. Uh, the 
relevant paragraph in the agreement with Troon says as follows. The city shall approve in writing all fees and charges for use of the golf courses, golf carts, bag storage, club rental and driving range pursuant to section 28.4 of the easement agreement. Such fees and charges shall be comparative and competitive with other first-class golf resorts in the Coachella Valley. That sentence clearly is to benefit Troon. As the city is setting the rates, Troon wants to make money, so it wants to charge competitive rates so it can profit out of its arrangement, which it's perfectly entitled to do. This is not to benefit the city. The city clearly shall approve in writing all fees and charges. Um, and this fee, the increase fee, has not been approved by the city. The city is defined in this document as the council, not the city manager. Uh, I, I believe, and I can, there's more important things coming up, that the council should put this as an agenda item on. I've asked to this time, but it was probably too short notice, put this as an agenda item. So the whole question, and maybe the greater question, of just how fees are set, all of them, can be looked at by the council in public debate. Fine. Thank, Thank you, you, Madam Mayor. Thank you very much. Um, Diana Yamana. Good afternoon, Mayor Roach, City Council persons, City Council people. Um, I'm here to uh, express my opinion on the property card situation. Uh, my personal opinion um, is that there are no changes to the property owner card requirements and that you need to be a property owner to get a property card. That's the basic requirement of the property owners. Um, you know, the other things that were done were certainly done unbeknownst to me, and I think that's up to you guys to decide whether the Senior Center, the Ryland project, which hasn't even started, and the Hyatt people, which I don't get anyways, because the people who rent the villas are probably spending $4,000 a night, and why they should be able to get property owner cards is beyond me, but that's another situation. But what I do propose, I agree that the permanent residents of Indian Wells should be able to enjoy the benefits of this city. Um, I think there should be just one separate card, a property owner's card and a permanent resident owner's card. You know, the current property owner's card is kind of a silver gray. You could make the resident card a magenta. They would be immediately distinguishable by anybody who uses the card. Um, I think that the residents should be able to um, get the uh, resident guest fee rate to pay for golf. I mean, I think that's one of the primary privileges of being a property owner in, in the city of Indian Wells is that we do pay $35 a round for golf. You know, not being a property owner, but being a resident, I think allows you to qualify for the uh, resident rate. I mean, whatever that is, whatever Troon decides or the city council decides. I think they should be able to take advantage of the activities that um, are available in the city of Indian Wells. Some are larger than others and probably required a limit, like the Living Desert um, dinner has very limited space. So I think the, the property owners get first shot, but you know, after a certain date, if they haven't filled it up, the residents should be able to get a shot at it. You know, the bigger events like the polo event and the tennis event, they should, certainly should be able to get 
um, whatever the uh, property owners get in terms of rates and costs because those are much bigger events and we are trying to encourage attendance anyways. So that's my personal opinion on the property owner's card. I think it's really simple just having two cards. Um, you know, and, and I think it's for the, pres the um, permanent residents of Indian Wells, not the snowbirds. I mean, the people who live here, who spend money in the community year-round, who support the, um, the cities, the Coachella Valley cities. Also, uh, the other thing I think is uh, the property owners are limited to two cards. The household, whatever, it's either the property owners or the permanent residents. Two cards, maximum. That's it. Um, thank you very much. Thank you. Uh, next, Gordon Belmont. Thank you, Mayor. Sure. Mayor, members of the Council, Gordon Belmont, Fairway Drive, Indian Wells. <clears throat> Pardon me, two points. I misunderstood you, I believe, Mayor, at the beginning, before any public comments. Did you not say that anyone who wishes to address the Mayor and the Council hold their thoughts until the agenda item was brought up, specifically in this case 7A? Uh, yes, except uh, when we get to 7A, because of the uh, motion from our uh, last meeting to restrict public comment, as you heard from um, Sheila Gill initially, was that there be no further council comments, which uh, Denny was incorrect there. It was no further council comments. And then it, it got extended, as I understand. I'm going to have the, the city clerk read that motion when we get there. But in, in um, this case, you need to do it now because we're not sure that there's going to be any kind of comment except from Mr. Mullaney based on what was suggested at our last meeting. All right. Do my three minutes start now? No. Yeah, no. they start now. Okay. Uh, we want you. you to start the minutes. <laughs> Thanks. I only practiced for 12 years, thank God. <laughs> and I got a copy of the memorandum from the city attorney as I walked in the door. I did not check online this morning, but I did yesterday and I didn't see it unless I'm looking in the wrong spot. You're you correct. It was posted this morning after the council gave authority to... Um, to dispense with or to, I don't know what the, to waive, our to waive the uh, attorney-client privilege. Okay. It was not available until we as a unit met and gave approval. Okay, thank you. Uh, I then respectfully request that it be tabled until we have, we being the residents, the opportunity to review various agreements between the city, uh, Troon, the city complimentary golf agreement, the agreement with American Golf, paragraph 28B, 23.9B uh, of the Truna Agreement. I don't know what the heck he's talking about. And I made frantic notes before I got up here, so I think we ought to have a fair shot as well, and I request that you table it. Uh, regarding the other point I raised in my blue, question, uh, blue response, was the presentation and or possession by, I'll call them permanent residents. Uh, I don't know the different definition candidly, 
of a permanent resident. To me, the first thing that would come to mind would be voting. Secondly would be driver's license and thirdly registration of vehicles. I might be wrong, I don't know. But I do know that most of us have at least several hundred thousand dollars into several million dollars in an investment, probably for most of us, the largest investment in our lives, our homes, which are here in the city of Indian Wells. I walk my dogs frequently up and down fairway and I don't know if they're weekenders or party people who come out at the three-day weekends. Uh, I am so conscious about picking up after my dogs. And I notice a lot more defecate, defecation not picked up on the weekends uh, and the longer uh, weekends especially when it's party time. I played, as most of you have, I'm sure, on several private clubs, golf courses. And there are very few, to my knowledge, divots that are not sanded, or the grass back east packed down where the divot was taken from, and ball marks on the green, because they care, they have an investment. They paid a lot of money to join the club. I don't think the same is true. I know it's not true here in Indian Wells Golf Resort. Uh, the last comment I have goes back, I guess, to the golf resort and to 7A with the property owner cards. As a resident, it's doggone difficult to get on that course before 1, I'll say 1 o'clock, it might be 1.30 or 1.40, which means if you're a foursome, you can't finish before dark in the season. And that fact compounded by the number of potential golfers who have the resident cards, who don't have the investment that us property owners have, would compound the issue of getting a decent tea time. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, Joyce, Nola, or Vincent? Thank you, Mayor and Council Members. I don't know how this ever came about that we had started to even consider giving uh, the privileges of Indian Wells homeowners to residents who are leasing for a year or more. I probably missed out on something. I'm very much opposed to it. I think that <clears throat> everything, like from the golf courses to all the parties, they're very well attended. It does nothing for homeowners to grant other people the rights that homeowners have, <clears throat> tax-paying homeowners. Uh, perhaps you have a reason for doing this, I don't know. But I would ask that people here on the council, <clears throat> excuse me, who are, who are uh, renting property recuse themselves from the vote <clears throat> rather than, than uh, I think it would be wrong. So if you do have a rental property, please recuse yourself from the vote. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I guess we do, I uh, have one public comment on the presentation. I guess we need to do the, that now. Uh, John Purcell and Bob Hargraves, please. Afternoon, Madam Mayor, Council Members. We're here today simply to say thank you. Um, nice. 
Uh, I'm the executive director of Friends of the Desert Mountains. I'm joined by board member Bob Hargraves. Uh, I would also comment that our former board member, Katie Barrows, did an excellent job with the pledge today. Yes, she did. Um, as you may have heard, recently the Friends of the Desert Mountains, the Valley's land conservation organization, secured our 50,000th acre in support of the Valley's multiple species habitat conservation plan. As part of the celebration, we're taking time to thank all of our partners. And over the years, the city of Indian Wells has been outstanding in helping support friends in our mission of conservation, education, and outreach. Before I turn it over to Bob, I have a small token of our appreciation, a plaque I'd like to present to the city. So on behalf of the Board of Directors of Friends of the Desert Mountains, we present you with this small award. Thank you. Thank you. And good afternoon. It's a pleasure being here. As you may know, I'm an attorney with Best Best and Krieger, and, and sometimes I'm here as your assistant city attorney, but it gives me pleasure to be here today with John to thank you for you know, helping us you know, preserve all the natural beauty that surrounds you here, and, and we look forward to working with you as we go forward to continue that preservation and also to you know, engage the residents of Indian Wells in enjoying all these outstanding natural resources. So thank you very much. Well, thank you very much. And um, on the plaque, there are four different goals that you note of who you are and what you do. Could you explain those so that the, the audience understands? The board was formed uh, about 25 years ago, and we were originally formed strictly for conservation and preservation. With the establishment of the National Monument and the building of the Visitor Center at the base of 74, we expanded our role to support for the National Monument and education and outreach. So we work with uh, uh, school kids, uh, various um, uh, public service groups, um, and we do support the National Monument in all of its aspects. And, and the Coachella Valley Mountain Conservancy. And the Coachella Valley Mountains Conservancy, a great partner. Yes, thank you very much. Thank, thank you. you for being here, and it was an honor to be thanked. <laughs> All right, uh, now we move on to item four, presentations and proclamations. And I'm going to start uh, with my own, um, uh, it's not on the agenda, but I'm going to start with my own thank you and honoring of Connie Goals, who um, on October 30th received the 2013 Entrepreneurial Athena Award from Palm Desert. Connie, would you come up? I know. I don't know how it got left off. That's okay. At any rate, uh, so people understand, number one, um, Indian Wells had an Athena Award, which uh, the last two years, because of budgetary cuts, we haven't had. Connie Goals is one of our longtime residents, over 30 years, um, and she um, has received this as an entrepreneur for, uh, from Palm Desert. 
Um, and I'm going to read it because I think it's important to tell you what she's done. Whereas Connie Goals was honored on October 30th, 2013 with the prestigious Athena Award for her leadership in the community and for providing valuable service by contributing time and energy to improve the quality of life for others. And whereas the Athena Awards program was created in 1982 by Athena founder Martha Mayward Mertz and is administered by Athena International, an international nonprofit organization dedicated to supporting, developing, and honoring women leaders inspiring women to achieve their full potential, thus creating balance in leadership worldwide. And whereas combining inspired vision with hard work and dedication, Connie is president and co-founder of Desert Best Friends Closet. And whereas Desert Best Friends Closet is a nonprofit that serves a vital function in the community by providing a diverse array of clothing, some of them were mine, <laughs> my closet got emptied, to economically disadvantaged and underserved men, women, and at-risk youth of the Coachella Valley. And whereas Connie's leadership qualities are ever-present in the recognition she has received, by multiple organizations such as the Palm Desert Chamber of Commerce, Palm Desert Seroptimus, and the Girl Scouts of USA. Now, therefore, I, Mary T. Roach, Mayor of the City of Indian Wells, and on behalf of the City Council, do hereby extend our appreciation to Connie Golds for her contributions to the community and congratulations as the 2013 recipient recipient of the Entrepreneurial Athena Award. Thank you very much. Thank you. And tell us, tell us a little bit. Um, at Desert Best Friends Closet, we are a nonprofit. Uh, what we do is we help low-income desert residents attain employment through our wardrobe and image services. We provide interview attire for low-income men and women. And then last month, we had our military ball gown program where we gave away uh, 100 ball gowns to the wives and active duty personnel from 29 Palms Marine Base. Uh, every spring, we give away ball gowns and prom dresses to low-income high school girls. Uh, we have a coaching program where we're getting we're doing resume and interview coaching. So if you have skills in that area, we're always looking for volunteers. And we have another little program called Browse for a Cause. We need your support where we discovered, that should get a laugh, um, we discovered a huge need for uh, bras for low-income women. We gave away almost a 1,000 bras last year. So, I mean, it's, it's, so we definitely need your interview-appropriate attire, your ball gowns that are appropriate, particularly young and contemporary. And what people do are not aware is that we have to purchase about a lot of our clothing, so we also need your financial support. Uh, you can look at our website, uh, bfcloset.org. We just launched a new website last week, so it's looking really good. So thank you. And where where are you located, and where can they drop off? We are located in Palm Desert, right near the corner of Gerald Ford and Cook Street, before you get on the freeway. We are a little hard to find. We're behind the mobile gas station, and we're in the building that's between Goody's Cafe and Kaiser Permanente. But we have different stores that act as drop-off sites for us, so if you call us, 760-776-9975. Uh, we can tell you where you can conveniently drop those things off. Thank you so much. I'm, I'm very honored to receive this. Thank you. And you need a mask.
Thank you. I was telling her I have I had been there once before, but I actually went up with a carload of, of um, clothes and purses and shoes and everything last week, and I knew that it was in that general location, and I drove around all those buildings three times and finally gave up because I had uh, I had to get on to a, a meeting. At any rate, so I still have a carload of stuff for you. <laughs> you are hard to find. Okay, that's it. Thank you. Um, next, we move on. Thank you for being here, and, and you brought your husband with you. That's wonderful. Thank you. Um, next, we have a presentation by CVAG and Southern California Energy, and I imagine Katie's going to start that? Or Okay. Yes. Jennifer. Good afternoon, Mayor Roche, Honorable Council. I'm here today. Um, to recognize and honor the City of Indian Wells for your achievement as an energy leader and achieving a gold status. This, you are the second city in the Coachella Valley to do so through the Desert Cities Energy Partnership, and your achievement should be commended. We wanted to also thank your staff. Your staff has been wonderful to work with and implementing the programs necessary to achieve this award. I have with me my colleague, uh, um, Maya Aubrey, and Pong Kunicorn. Maya is the account executive for the City of Indian Wells, so she works on the account, and she'll describe the programs that the city um, implemented to achieve this status. And Pong Kunicorn is the uh, program manager and works with CVAG. And Katie, I want to also thank Katie. She, uh, with CVAG through the Desert Cities Energy Partnership, helps to manage these programs. And um, with the gas company, Southern California Edison, IID, um, we offer programs to help reduce energy consumption and, and gas use. So with that, I'll turn it over to Maya, and she will go over the specific details of, of Indian Wells' accomplishments. Good afternoon. I would like to extend my congratulations to the city for achieving gold status and wanted to take a brief opportunity to just mention some of the projects that you completed to get to that point. Most recently, the city installed um, occupancy flood load sensors in several of the offices throughout the city. Basically, this helps to reduce plug load consumption when the space is not occupied. Also, the city completed a well rehabilitation at the golf resort. Um, these two projects alone, along with installing high-efficiency residential pool pumps, helped the city to save over 241,000 kilowatt hours. So that's equivalent to taking about 35 cars off of the, free, off of the road. With the partnership um, SCE offers with um, cities, we really encourage our cities to take an integrated approach with energy efficiency and demand response. And you're doing your part there too by participating in our Summer Advantage program, again, um, at the golf resort. So again, I wanted to extend my congratulations on uh, achieving the gold status and definitely look forward to working along with the city to get to the next level. Good. Thank you. Thank you. And so with that, we will present this award to the city council. It says the city of Indi Indian Wells is an energy leader in the partnership with Southern California Edison, saving money, energy, and the environment at gold level. Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you.
Uh, Mayor Roach. Yes. Uh, we, I guess, gives us the opportunity today. Uh, we, as most of you know, we've been in meetings all day since uh, early this morning, and and as a result of that, we had lunch here at uh, at the building, and the lunch was sponsored by uh, Southern California Edison and CVAG, and for that, we would like to thank you. Yes, thank you very much. Thank you. Um, it's, it's hard to go all morning and, and finally break at 12.30 and have a 1.30 meeting with, uh, uh, without having lunch provided one way or another, so thank you. All right. Yes, Mr. Uh, just as one response to a prior request, uh, last meeting uh, Mr. Booth asked about if we were doing any additional work on Highway 111, and we do not have any additional work scheduled. All right. Thank you. Uh, next, we move on to public hearings. Uh, anyone who wishes to challenge a hearing in court uh, is limited to, ra to raising only those issues he or she or someone else brought before this public hearing. Um, a, building code update. Uh, are we, Warren, are we pulling that? Yes, ma'am, we are. Okay, so we're going to eliminate that. That, that is being continued, continued to, to win. the next meeting of December 5th. All right, fine, thank you. Item B, uh, vehicle impound fees, resolution establishing a, a DUI driver traffic collision vehicle impound cost recovery fee and modifying the existing vehicle impound cost recovery fee. Uh, Mel Windsor. Thank you, Honorable Mayor and members of the City Council. Uh, the city adopted the current vehicle impound cost recovery fees, also known as Vickers, back in March 2010. Since the start of the program, the city has recovered $51,000 in fees. The purpose of the Vickers fee is to offset the financial loss that is incurred to the city due to lost patrol time and the administrative costs when we have to tow a vehicle uh, for somebody that has a suspended license or driving without a license or some other uh, illegal uh, activity. Uh, staff is now requesting that uh, the vicar fees also include and be recovered from DUI drivers and that a two-tiered uh, vicar fee structure be approved by council. Registered owners of vehicles would only be required to pay uh, the higher of the fees. Uh, so, for example, if uh, an impaired driver with a suspended license is involved in a traffic accident um, and, and is arrested for uh, being under the influence, that driver would only be required to pay the higher of the fees and not both. Uh, staff recommends that the DUI vicar fee be set at $670 per vehicle, and this fee for the audience includes $597 for the deputy, $6 for a sheriff clerical, $89 for a supervisor, and $22 for city staff's clerical. Uh, we're estimating that in the next fiscal year we'll, we will have five of these types of DUI uh, arrests, and uh, that will mean about $2,000 in fees. Also, the sheriff's hourly rate has increased since 2010, so we're asking that the council increase the vicar fee on the administrative or lower end from 145 to 150. And with that, we're estimating about 70 vehicles in the next year and approximately $7,000 uh, to be annually collected from that. Staff recommends that City Council adopt Resolution Bill 201356 
establishing a DUI traffic collision impound cost recovery fee of $670 and modify the existing vehicle impound fee to $150. That ends my uh, presentation. We have the Captain Vest here to answer any questions, and I'm available for any questions. All right, Council, any questions of staff? I have just one question, uh, uh, Mel. Can you tell us approximately how many DUIs are issued in our city on an annualized basis? I would be guessing, and probably... Because that would indicate the number of impounds you're going to have, right? Because they impound every car that uh, gets a DUI? They're estimating five for the next year, but um, let's, let's... I mean, I, on that report, I see a lot of DUIs. Hi. To answer your question, <laughs> Mayor and Council, it's actually DUI traffic collisions is the difference. Uh, DUI traffic collisions, uh, year-to-date right now, we're at nine for 2013. And I just had that pulled this week. Last year, we had approximately 11, or I'm sorry, 15, and the year before that, 9. So our average is about 11 DUI traffic collisions. And how about just DUIs? I would have to give you that. Um, I can tell you when I did the calls for service just last week, we had three just last week. Just last week. Correct. And, and, and do you impound every car that, that, where the driver gets a, a I mean, you carry them our out, our typical them. procedure is to impound that vehicle, yeah. but that is not the traffic collision vicar fee. Right. It's a different fee that we would. Yes. Yes, sir. What is the fee uh, for that in our city? That'll be raised to one fifty. Okay. All right. All right. Any, Any other questions, questions of staff? Me? All right. At this point, we will open the public hearing. Does anyone uh, wish to speak on this issue? I have no blue cards. Seeing none, we will close the public hearing. Um, I, I do have just one comment. Um, the amount that you're requesting, uh, just for clarification, is the, um, you've done research and it's the actual amount of what our deputy, our clerical, our supervisor, and city clerical spend now. That's correct. Out of the city pocket. And so what you're, what you're, you're not asking for anything other than what the city is paying right now. It, that's, that's exactly right. In fact, we're asking for a little bit less. I think it uh, uh, went $7 above and I rounded down to the lower. And again, it's, a, it's approximately five hours, um, give or take, that it takes to uh, take care of one of these accidents. Okay, I just wanted to make that clear. It, it's not out of the sky somewhere. It is actual figures of, yes. of yeah, what we're spending comments. right now on time. All right, Council, uh, may I have a motion, please? Move approval of staff's recommendation. Second. All in favor? Aye. 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 Opposed? Uh, motion carries unanimously. We move on to the consent calendar. Uh, these are all taken um, as routine. They're budgeted. Um, and um, unless somebody wants to pull one, we take them as a unit. Does uh, anyone from Council wish to pull an item? Seeing none, does anyone want from the audience wish to pull an item? Seeing none, may I have a motion to approve the consent calendar? Move to approve. May I have a second? Second. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Opposed? Motion carries unanimously. 
We move on to general business. General business uh, 7A, property owner identification cards. Discussion and possible adoption of an amendment to policy for issuance of property owner identification cards for qualified leaseholders. This is continued from the November 7th uh, council meeting, and there was a very specific um, motion on how and why it was continued, and I've asked the city clerk uh, to clear up the confusion on this to um, give us the motion and, and how we go forward here. Uh, the motion that I have is, is it was determined to continue this item to the November 21st, 2013 City Council meeting to allow Council Member Mullaney to participate in the vote on this item and to limit Council discussion to Council M Member Mullaney only with no additional comments from the other four Council Members and that no additional public comments from the residents will be heard at the November 21st, 2013 meeting. However, residents can submit additional comments on this matter to the council in writing between now and November 21st, 2013, and those written comments will be made part of the record of the meeting. Thank you, and um, how many um, uh, public comments did, have we received on that? Uh, somewhere around 75, uh, 75. I think is a good, without counting them. And some of us have received additional that are personal to us. Um, and is there, uh, can you share with us what the breakdown of, um, I guess we shouldn't even go there. We just have received that many. All right, so um, we're kind of at a crossroads here because that was the motion um, on the continuance. So... Um, how do, how do we want to go forward here? I'll make All right, Mr. Mullaney. Thank you very much, Council, for uh, saving this opportunity for me to speak. Uh, it's a great privilege to be able to speak with the directive that no other Council member is going to speak after me. <laughs> so I can call them whatever I want. I like that one. That's a good one. I got a little bit of a surprise, uh, probably because I had too much time at home uh, on the men, so to speak, uh, to research this. And I find that what's happened is we've let, let the horse out of the barn without really properly reflecting on Robert's Rules of Order. And those of you on the council who uh, perhaps maybe, like me, carry a little copy of Robert's Rules of Order, I'd like to bring your attention to page 20 in this little book. And 20 answers the question that at that council meeting, Mary kept asking, how can you bring this back all this number of times? You know, how many times isn't there some sort of a moratorium as to when you can bring it back. And I think what I have to present today uh, will resolve this issue uh, once and for all. The portion that I'm reading from is called the motion to reconsider. One of the things that in Robert's rules is that they realized 
that if you didn't bring closure to an issue, it could be brought back time and time again. And I can vividly remember being in the minority a couple of years back when the motion was made to buy the two properties uh, going into the Indian Wells Country Club. But there was at no point since that period of time could I raise my hand and say, I want that brought back. And it's for the following reasons. I'm paraphrasing some of the rules of order, but I want to be very specific in the area that I'm paraphrasing them. It says, number one, there are specific areas. If a member who voted in the minority seeks to make the motion to reconsider, it must be ruled out of order. The purpose of this rule is finality. So that's basically where rule number one, they're saying, you know, you can't endlessly bring something back. It has to reach finality. A motion to reconsider requires a majority vote to pass, but there are two special rules that apply only to the motion to reconsider. First is the matter of timing. A motion to reconsider must be made at the meeting where the item was first voted on or at the very next meeting of the body. A motion to reconsider made at a later date is untimely. After viewing the council meetings and reviewing what I had put together made sense was correct. There has been no place in the last three council meetings where a motion was made to reconsider. The motion that would have to be made to reconsider would have to come from the majority vote group, not the minority group. And this is in accord with Roger's rules. As I say, after viewing that, at no point did I see anyone make a motion from the majority voting area to discuss and give authorization for reconsideration. In the absence of a no vote request for reconsideration, and in light of the fact that the individual who who made this motion or brought it back to council was in the minority, this item should be removed from the general business portion of the meeting that we're currently at. My sense on this in reading Roger's Rules of Order is simply this, that perhaps maybe starting back uh, a good couple of months ago, October the 3rd, I believe, when Mr. Peabody said he was interested in bringing this back, and nobody disagreed with him. But we never realized what we were doing, because basically at that time, he should have been advised, and I don't know whose responsibility it is, or else his own responsibility to know what's in Roger's rules. 
But I'm not pointing blame at him because he had a genuine interest of bringing it back and his interests were sincere. But he cannot bring this back to council. So what does that result in today? That results in the fact that we as a council, following Roger's rules of order, are not allowed to discuss this because it has been inappropriately brought to the council agenda. And that what will happen because of the fact that nobody from the majority voting group of three at that time authorized this to be brought back. So what that does, in fact, roll back the calendar to May of this year, when three members of councils voted against identification cards. So that vote continues today, and that vote will continue in the near future and long time future until such time one member of the majority vote would decide to request council to bring it back. And that has to have, once council entertains that, that agenda item, it has to have a two-thirds majority vote. So my recommendation today is put to bed the vote, put to bed this item, and the May decision of council will stand for the future. Thank you very much. Mr. Deitch, I think we probably need uh, you to voice uh, how we go forward from here. Well, a couple of thoughts. First of all, I think that's an accurate recitation of what's in Rosenberg's rules and Robert's rules of order. Rosenberg's, which I believe the council by policy has decided to follow. Uh, Robert's, which is consistent with that regarding motions to reconsider. I don't know because I didn't go back and look at the record, I didn't watch uh, any prior council meetings regarding how the matter was placed on the last agenda, where there was a two-to-two -two tie and it was uh, uh, decided to extend uh, this matter until today, as I recall. Um, I don't know whether three council members, in fact, uh, uh, two others perhaps joined with council member Peabody and ask that this be placed on the recent agenda. I don't know. Uh, in any event, if three council members ultimately decided that this matter should return to council, uh, then of course one of them would have been somebody who uh, voted in the majority. I believe that's an accurate reflection. So in effect, uh, the rule has been followed even if casually that uh, somebody in the majority should have uh, indicated the matter should come back. Now technically, I agree that's not compliance with either Rosenberg or Roberts. Uh, however, I think it's worth noting. But then I also note today a motion was made earlier to remove the item from the agenda. Uh, that has the same effect and uh, that was made actually uh, by council member Peabody. So uh, if the view is that he as a minority voting member at a prior council meeting, 
sought to bring the matter back. He is now actually, in effect, uh, complying with the rules and what Councilmember Mullaney accurately recited and uh, is, in, is, in effect, uh, comfortable with uh, having the matter taken off calendar. Uh, are there any questions that I could answer beyond that? Uh, yes, but go ahead. Mr. Mullaney first and then Mr. Peabody. Yeah, to uh, uh, be of some help, Mr. Deitch, I closely reviewed the council meetings subsequent to the one that it came up in first and obviously the one that I was not here for. At no point did any council member, minority or majority, make a motion for, as they say here, reconsidering. So whatever other motions were made, one was made for me to be saved, you know, to make my comments for today. That had nothing to do with the motion of reconsidering. So my contention is reconsideration, that vote, which is critical, according to Robert's rules, was never brought up as a voting item, and it's irrelevant how that vote would have been because it never occurred. Thank you. Mr. Peabody. Uh, two things. One is I made a written request on May 24th to the city manager to put this back on the docket. It's in writing. Number two, I think you should check the vote at the time we did it on May 16th because I think I'm not sure that I agree with what the result was. But I'd rather have Anna verify that. And I did ask Anna to uh, research that. Did you have time to research and find out what the motion was and, and what the vote was? Uh, I did. Uh, the motion on May 16th was made by Mayor Pro Tem's Mertens and second by Mayor Roach that no further action be taken on this item. And that action failed on a 2-2-1 with, um, with the votes being two for um, two yeses, uh, Roach and Mertens, two noes, Peabody and Mullaney, and one abstention, Hanson. Then uh, Council Member Mullaney uh, stated since the vote was tied, he would change his vote to the affirmative. The mayor asked if council had any objections to council member Mullaney's vote change. There was no objection. So therefore, the vote was three ayes of Roach, Mertens, and Mullaney, one no of Peabody, and one abstention of Hanson. All right. So um, it sounds to me that um, Mr. Peabody put in writing, however, he was a minority vote on taking no further action. So... Where do we stand on how do we um, go forward? And with Mr. Did you want to say something too? No, I didn't want. I had a question of the parliamentarian. Yeah. Uh, what is the city council's policies and procedures on this issue? And would that overrule uh, Rosenberg or Roberts' rules of order? I know of no specific policy different from the recognition that Rosenberg's would govern. Roberts is also a resource and has historically been so in the city. Please bear with me one second. Uh, all right, our policy manual 
uh, does have a provision in Section 303.160. It reads, a reconsideration motion may be made by a member of the council voting in the minority shall not be allowed except when made more than one year after the date of the original action. That is consistent with Rosenberg and Roberts' rules, rules of order. But there, there is a one-year limit on that. Yes. So if, if after a year a person voting in the minority were to ask for reconsideration, then it could be reconsidered at that time. I think that's correct. I and think does that's that take a vote to reconsider, an affirmative vote to reconsider? Well, um, not according to the policy and the procedure, if you read it carefully. I think if you follow the, the policy manual and do so literally, it could require that whenever any subject has been dealt with historically, you have to wait at least one year and then there could be a motion to reconsider. And arguably, because it's addressed this way in the policy manual, that's the only way it can come back. I could tell you that I, I would, as your parliamentarian, never restrict you so much. And if a majority of council members, no matter what, felt the matter was of significance to the city and should be considered, that could be done certainly after a year and uh, perhaps even before a year, depending on the circumstances. And does Robert's rules of order, or Rosenberg's, or, and I don't think the policy covers uh, a person who abstains, where do they fit in this? Because they're neither, they're neither for nor against, and then can they, on a subsequent bringing back, can they then not recuse themselves? Well, California has a history of case law on the effect of an abstention. Even though people who abstain might not believe they're doing this, uh, the predominant case law indicates that an abstention is deemed to be a vote with the majority. However, if the vote is two to two, there is no majority, so a motion fails in any event. So it's a, a highly technical area, as you could see. Okay. And uh, uh, that's the best guidance we have. All right. What, what, I, <laughs> what I find sort of strange about this whole thing is I made a motion to take the item out of consideration and stay as we are. What's interesting about this is three people voted against that motion, and now they want to do something totally different, which it doesn't make any sense because they had an opportunity to vote five to nothing, to just put this thing to bed, but they chose not to do it, and I'm trying to figure out why they would do such a thing to get us into this technical issue, which we didn't have to get into, because all they had to do was vote to pull it off the, the agenda. Well, from my vantage point, and only from my vantage point personally, um, you gave a statement for your rationale to a degree on pulling it off without any... Um, understanding on the rest of our part, but more importantly for me was the kind of consternation it caused in our community and the number of responses we had 
and I felt it was important to not duck the issue, which I felt that that would be what we would be, be projecting uh, to the people who have taken the time. And it takes time to write those. Everyone was individual. And the only time in my, on my entire career on this council that we came close to having 100 people uh, voice an opinion. Um, a lot of that was petitions where somebody signed, you know, somebody put a statement down and then people signed it. But to have all of these individual and their points of view, to not bring it forward um, and do this part of it, I, I felt would leave a, a taste in the mouth of our residents that uh, because of the outpouring that we were ducking it without, uh, without addressing it. Two, two, two points. Uh, <laughs> a point, in, in, in effect, um, the, the dichotomy is that you, you have just, as a result of not wanting to go forward, did the same thing. But setting that aside, the parliamentarian, the question, given the fact that there was a motion made to remove it from the calendar, remove it from the agenda. And three council members voted against that, which means that they, in fact, authorized that the item be placed on the agenda. And given the fact that they were in the affirmative in the original position, they have, in fact, as a result of their vote, approved the authorization to consider it today. <laughs> well, I probably shouldn't say anything, but that absolutely makes no sense because what I brought up today was a violation of Robert's Rules of Order, and it had nothing to do with today's vote. It only had to do with the fact that the person who brought this forward to put it on an agenda did so without approval of a, a, a proper action because when they talk about uh, this uh, motion, it, it does exactly what our mayor was looking for two weeks ago, uh, was closure. Now, if we sat back and did nothing today, when does the thing come back up again? My point is this thing should not come back up again unless it goes to the full council for a vote and it would have to take a person in the majority to bring that vote forward. So we could talk about all sorts of crazy scenarios, but what I'm basically saying is that this agenda item should never have been placed on an agenda. Thank you. If I may, Mayor. Yes, Mr. Mertens, <laughs> it's your turn. And uh, very, very briefly, the reason I voted in favor of this item being on the agenda to be considered today was simply because we've all been elected by the people to represent them. I feel that they are entitled to a vote to know where each individual council member stands on this issue and that to have taken no action at all would be a disservice to those who have put us in office. So I think that we owe it to the residents to take a vote today, whichever way it comes out, and that will be the end of this subject, hopefully. <coughs> All right, uh, city attorney, we need some direction here. Do we? There is uh, no vote. 
is there no vote or is, or is there a vote? Now, in my opinion, the matter is appropriately, properly on the agenda because, in effect, uh, the effect is that at least uh, three council members, one way or another, have indicated they would like this to be on the agenda. And notwithstanding the fact that one of them might have voted in the majority, uh, my understanding of the facts is just as I recited. So it's okay to have it on the agenda. And with that in mind, in my opinion, you have two alternatives at this point. One is to now, by motion and uh, majority vote, uh, take no action or remove it from the agenda, which was the earlier vote, or as was suggested by a council member just now, council member Mertens, to actually proceed to uh, uh, entertain a motion on the merits of this matter and uh, have a, a record of uh, the action taken today. Mayor, I'd make and a you motion. may do so in my opinion. Mr. Mertens is I'll make a motion at this time that we make no changes to the current property owner ID policy and that it remain intact as it presently exists. I'll second it. I'd like to offer a substitute motion on that issue. I think the rest of you have this. Everyone has this but Every, me? Everyone has it? Okay. But me? You got it? I do now. Uh, thank you. Uh, Madam Clerk, would you give the city manager and the city attorney a copy of this? As has been described, this has been, uh, no question, a very rancorous and uh, somewhat difficult, dif difficult process in trying to reach a decision in the issue. And... Uh, uh, there are polarizing viewpoints and there are polar ends to the question. We have there, the, the, the preponderance of emails offered uh, have been by property owners who are in fact opposed uh, to uh, issuing a, a property owner's card to property owners. And I try in my effort here to offer a, a substitute motion. Point, point of order, please. He's commenting. Uh, the motion to continue was that there's no further comment or discussion this, on I am beginning this to item. offer a motion, Madam Mayor. Please, let me but, make my motion. Parliamentarian, intercede, please. This is not a motion. I'm offering a motion. Parliamentarian, a, intercede, please. No, uh, well, this isn't a motion. Uh, Mayor and Council, uh, a, a substitute motion is being offered as I understand it. That's the way the council member has framed it. I, I understand that. However, what he is handing out and putting up there for public view is not a motion. And I object to that because we were restricted by by the same council members at the last meeting and saying no, no, none of us are going to comment. The public's not going to comment. And to make a motion where there's a full out analysis and um, uh, 
program here is not a substitute motion. This, this is a whole new item that is being brought forth. No, it's not. Well, then, just, say, just state the motion, not, not all can, this. Can I offer my motion now? I don't know. No, I don't That's think you can. That's not a motion. I can. I've been asked to rule as the parliamentarian, and I'm sweating right now, believe me. Yeah, but in be. my opinion, the substitute motion could be made, and here's the rationale. A motion uh, was on the table and could be entertained earlier, uh, a, subs a substantive motion on the question before you today. And that opens the door to a substitute motion on the merits of what was proposed today. Uh, it, in effect, is one and the same. It could be a motion in the affirmative, a motion in the negative, or a motion to supplant entirely what had been proposed at the last meeting. So I'm afraid uh, uh, no matter how you look at it, uh, a motion can be made. Uh, Mayor, you're looking at a document, of course, that is about to be explained. Thank I'm, you. I'm curious well, as well I, as to what it will be, but I believe it's about to be made part of a motion. Let me ask you a question. Uh, how can that be labeled a substitute motion yeah. when I basically said the motion doesn't exist? So substitute for what? This would be a tricky way of getting around Roger's rules. There is no motion on the floor. I wiped it clean. We go back to May of this year, and we take the no position on cards, and that's where we start from, start the clock or whatever. There is no other motion, and there's no room for a substitute motion. I understand that. How many of you want to come up here and sit and go through this? <laughs> are we having fun or are we having fun? We shouldn't do that. This is I'm very exciting. <laughs> serious. Well, it is, is serious. But this is very serious. Well, we've never had a motion in our history oh, you don't where fun of this. on a continued motion I'm not talking you, that we're not allowed to comment. You know, there, 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 there was there, just a moment. There was an inter, a motion made by Mr. Hansen to substitute, present a substitute motion. I believe, based on the information that we've received from the city attorney, that we are properly considering this today. And in the light of my motion, he then has the ability uh, to make a substitute motion if he so desires. And I'd like to hear the motion rather than all the rationale. Well, you can't restrict me uh, uh, from that from that standpoint. When I offer a motion, uh, I can offer a motion, and I can provide the rationale for my motion. Uh, so, so thank you, and I'll go forward with my motion. And as I was saying, studying this very carefully, I've tried to arrive at a compromise position on the issue, and that compromise position is as follows. And in fact. What's interesting today is that it has been sort of presented uh, without comment uh, to these people, but they sort of came out where I tried to get in this process. And I would offer up not a property owner's card, and I would make a motion that we create a new card entitled a residence card for leaseholders. And the requirements to obtain this resident card 
are outlined as follows. Number one, to obtain a resident card, a resident must have lived in the city a minimum of the last two continuous years. Continuous years. The resident must have a lease for a house in Indian Wells and have a remaining term of at least one year. A resident card would only be issued to leaseholders whose lease extends until the end of the calendar year. The property owner must give up their right to a property owner's card for the full year in which the resident card is issued, thus not adding any additional cards to the system. Five, the resident must be a registered voter in Indian Wells for the last two years and have voted in the last Indian Wells municipal election. The benefits granted to that resident who would obtain a resident card as a long-term lessee, they would get a golf rate of $80. They would get the 20% discount on the purchase of items in the pro shop. They would get 20% discount at the Indian Wells Golf Resort Restaurant View, 20% at the hotels that offer such a discount. Use of the Hyatt Fitness Center, discount when those discounts are offered by the Esmeralda Fitness Center, <coughs> discount for membership at the Indian Wells Tennis Gardens for their tennis membership program, and eight, attendance to city-sponsored events only on a space-available basis. I would offer that motion and uh, in an attempt to bring uh, what uh, has, has been suggested as eliminating discrimination, creating fairness and equality uh, to all residents who live in our great city. I'll, I'll second that. All right. Um, all in favor of the substitute motion, signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? No. no. We move on to the motion uh, laid out by Mr. Mertens. Was no change in the existing policy, basically. Is there any other part of it? No, just that it remains intact. Is there, and you seconded it? Yes. Yes. So we have a motion to uh, maintain the, the current policy. All in favor, signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? No. No. And so you have uh, it's pass, it, it passes to remain at uh, the, the current level, and um, it passes three to two. Correct? That's correct. From here on out, we need to be aware of uh, Rosenberg's rules and our policy uh, on where we stand as we go forward. Correct? Correct. Okay. Mayor, prior to going to the next yes. item, if I may, just a very brief comment. Conversation and discussion is important for good governance. 
I've received in excess, as everybody has said, of 90 emails and phone calls recently, and I've had many discussions with residents while shopping and at the view bar and grill. 95% or more, on a guess, of those discussions were very pleasant and informative. I ask that you please continue to be engaged because this is your city and I appreciate your feedback. The other 5% or so, I would suggest that don't waste your effort because your name calling, mudslinging, and your vitriol simply is not the Indian Wells way. Thank you. All right. Uh, thank you very much. That was a uh, well-needed uh, comment. Mayor, I have a point of order, a question. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Regarding the last motion that was carried, I'm thrilled. If I understand Robert's rules and the city attorney correctly, a member of the minority must bring up. I'm sorry. A member of the majority must bring up to revisit. Okay. What happens is this individually? I don't know. What happens if you're not any longer the mayor and council or Mertens or Pat or anybody else? If the council persons change who were in the majority, what happens? Um, it's a whole new vote. Yeah, Thank you. We'll uh, reach that when we reach it. Thank you. We move to 7B, Indian Wells Tennis Garden. Uh, Wade. Mayor and Council, uh, we have now the final agreement before you that will allow for the court signs. We're going to have a picture up in just a second. Okay. But uh, this uh, agreement has been uh, negotiated by uh, Council Members uh, or Mayor Pro Tem Mertens and Council Member Peabody and with the uh, tennis um, uh, gardens, and we're excited about now having on-court signage. This, uh, this depicts not only the sign location but shows the... Uh, the distance from the courts and the size of the font. Uh, so the agreement before you has been uh, reviewed by the city attorney and the attorney for the uh, tennis gardens, and we're excited to move forward with this uh, prospect. Uh, if you must leave, only one person from the dais. We've lost two council members. The two who were against the vote. Interesting. So um, we have a picture. What? I guess. So we're asking you to approve the agreement. All right. I'll move to approve. Uh, Second. All in favor? Aye. Aye. And two who are not participating? Yes, we are. Aye, Hanson. Aye, Hanson, and we'll hold the vote op open for Mr. Peabody. Thank you for opening the vote, holding the vote open for Mr. Peabody. Uh, we move on to item 7C, Grants and Aids Committee request. <laughs> uh, Nancy Samuelson. Oh. Mayor and Council, today I return at the request of the Grants and Aids Committee to seek some changes to the current budget under Grants and Aids that is specifically allocated for homeless. Of the $100,000 you approved for Grants and Aids, um, Council allocated $50,000 to go to three named homeless agencies. However, the final approval was to fund homeless activity. The Grants and Aids Committee has met twice, and yes, they are still a very hard-working committee um, reviewing all the applications, and the paperwork was about this big um, in terms of the applications. Um, and it is very time-consuming. After reviewing and doing the initial allocation, um, which we'll come back to Council in December, they are asking to make a modification to the existing budget. The committee has identified two additional applications 
that are homeless organizations. Is this working? Okay, sorry. Um, what they're requesting is to increase the current homeless budget of 50000 with a supplemental appropriation of 10000 and to move an additional 10000 from the regular grants and aids budget of 50000 to make that 40000 and be able to give um, a donation to five homeless organizations that they have deemed part of the homeless charitable giving. So today, staff is requesting council to allow $10,000 moved from grants and aids to homeless and a supplemental appropriation of $10,000 for a total homeless budget of $70,000 and a grants and aids budget of $40,000 for an overall total budget of $110,000. I'm available for questions. Does anyone have questions of Ms. Hamilton? I'm not sure whether Nancy addresses this or somebody else, but what is the rationale and the basis for? Um, well, when we received, I believe we received 25 applications, and because this is a revised program and we're just bringing it back, we did not differentiate the application process to be homeless or another grant program. So there were organizations that came in just in the general um, delivery of the application that the committee deemed were homeless organizations, very similar to the homeless organizations that council had men mentioned at the council meeting that they approved. I think it was the May 16th council meeting that they approved the dollars. So they wanted to move two organizations into the homeless um, consideration set. Uh, to give those dollars and give them a little bit more. As you remember, uh, one of the um, guidelines for the grant program, I know it gets a little confusing because on a lot, it is a grants and aid line item and then there's 50,000 there's 50, and then 50,000 for homeless. Um, the, uh, I forgot where I was going with that, but the grants and aids has a limitation of $5,000. So they did not want to necessarily limit the homeless organizations um, to the $5,000, um, the consideration of the five that they're looking at. Basically, what they did at the meeting was they reclassified two of the applying charities to the homeless section, and that was because in their eyes, and I can assure you they're experts at this, they felt that those were two homeless facilities not under the lower program. So they moved them up and asked for an additional 5,000 per those two operations. So basically what we're talking about is, is, is moving the homeless side up by 10,000 additional and moving 10 from the bottom up to the homeless also. So the so, net effect right. is 10,000. It'd be a total of 70,000 to five homeless organizations and $40,000 to the other applicants. Was there any rationale in looking at the uh, two um, homeless uh, centers that have 20,000 uh, and making them 15 to make up that extra 10? They wanted to come back to council and get that type of direction. So if, if, if they, you know, we, that was their initial blush at the, um, at the budget and wanted to come back to see if council would consider another 10,000. Well, I'm concerned. Um, that the Galilee Center isn't here, and, and if we decide that we're going to move all these into a homeless where it's 10,000, then we're going to get the Galilee Center and we're going to get 
the others that continue open up. Um, <coughs> Olive Crest, I was on their board for a while, and Safe House are both um, teenage um, places for maybe runaways or whatever. Right. Um, they, they looked at it very uh, theoretically, these are all extremely, um, you guys did an amazing job picking this committee. Um, they are very well, well versed in applications, um, and they felt that those two organizations did the similar, similar service, just in different, um, capacity, um, or a different, you know, subset, um, for homeless as shelter from the storm. Mr. Olaney, anything? No, I'm satisfied. I have one more question. Yes. Mr. McCarthy, we are going to have a mid-year budget review in January or February, are we not? Uh, yes, we are. So from a fiscal responsibility or fiscally responsible standpoint, um, I'm just wondering if, if we ought to consider the allocation of an additional $10,000 at that time when we can take into consideration all of the existing needs of the city uh, as it relates to the, the entire budget process. That's the, on, the only con consideration that I can see is that we're actually already seven months behind because this is really funding that came out July 1st. So the applications are going to need to start coming in again for the next fiscal year. So. The organizations have been, even though we approved the, the dollars in May, we didn't get the applications until um, first meeting of October. So conceivably, we could take Rescue Mission and Martha's Village, make them 15 each. Mm -hmm. That would make up for the 10, and then reconsider that five that we take away from them in, in February at the budget review. Is, is that I, I would have to. That would not be the recommendation of that committee. But if they're going to cut, they wouldn't do that. What would they do if would they, they were going to cut the 10? They would go back probably to the other two. To what other two? Olive and uh, what was the other one? House. Yes. Would they cut them Operation down to five? They, they would give them five would, until January? I guess is they would move them down to five. Well, I, I, I think uh, given the conservative aspect of your suggestion and the need to see exactly what our finances are going to look like in January, but fully supporting the program and fully supporting uh, the committee, that uh, I would offer up the motion, uh, as was uh, discussed, is that we, we, we go forward, we give the 100000 we we hold off on the five and the five for those two that Mr. Peabody uh, has suggested that that would be the two the committee would prefer and then uh, take a look at that in January once we have gotten the, the city uh, finance director's uh, report, finance report, mid-year mid review. That's a motion? That's a motion. Second. Okay. All in favor of, you want one more comment? Just want, does that mean that I can move the 10000 from grants and aids, though, to homeless? Yeah. That would be part of my motion, yes. Okay. Good question. Call for the question. All right. I'm sorry. I didn't understand your motion that way, because if you're going to move ten. 
from the uh, regular grants and aids up there, up, up to the homeless, uh, then you're still staying with the 100,000, right. and it is not dependent then on those two organizations coming back and evaluate for more money when the budget comes in, which I thought was part of what you no, said. No, well, my, maybe I'm misunderstanding, okay? The, the, the reason they moved from uh, uh, the 10,000 each up to those two was to give them 10. So instead you couldn't, that would not, instead of five. So that would not change, okay? And then what you do is you, after you've had a mid-year review, then you come back and possibly increase that five and five each, which accomplishes what they wanted to do, accomplishes what Mayor Pro Tem Mertens has suggested, gives us the ability to t take a look at our mid-year finances before we actually make the additional 10,000 uh, grant. I guess I'm still confused. You know, let, let me make it simple. Thank you. All she's asking for right now is to move the 10,000 up from the, five, the maximum 5,000 distribution, give that to those two people, and eliminate the request for the additional 100,000. That's really what The additional 10. The additional 10,000. 10, That's correct. And then, uh, but the discussion on waiting for the budget review. That shouldn't even be in this conversation. Thank you. It shouldn't even be part of it then. Uh, and, and because we're so deep in the year, it probably should just wait until the following year to, uh, to go forward, would be my, how I understand it. But that was mixed in with the um, mid-year budget review. If we're going to open up the budget, then we need to open it up to other things besides, um, besides increasing this individual uh, budget amount would be my suggestion, not just tie it to this one. That's no, really unfair. You really can't do that. No, you but can't. That's unfair. That's up to the no. grants and aids committee. You've given, right. you give them a dollar number, and that's what they work with. We give them a dollar number, and that's what right. they work with. We gave them 100000 <clears throat> Correct. So what I'm saying is, though, when the mid – we don't come back. We, it's, it, it's just the 100000 for the year, and they work with it however they feel is appropriate. But they can move it. Is that my understanding of what your motion is? It was not my motion. Then you want to state your motion so I... Yes. I said I made a motion to grant the $100,000 to those, to the uh, groups that they have listed where they're going to contribute. Two of those, we will, instead of their recommended 10000 we will give them 5000 each. That's okay. We will give them 5000 each today, and we will have a mid-year review to determine our finances, and at that time determine if we want to give the additional 5000 to those two entities. You really can't do that. You, you can't all, do you, that all we can do right now really is take the $100,000 right, and, and agree to move – 10,000 of what's on the bottom up to the top, and then when we, we, we go out for grants and aids next year, yeah. we can up the amount, we can lower right. the amount, yeah, they might but right now we really need to do it. Okay, I'm in my motion. <laughs> I'm in my motion <laughs> to, 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 to move 10,000 from the one category up to homeless, $100,000 and fix and cap the, the, as was originally authorized. Right. Second. All in favor, signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed. Whew. 
All right. We move on to item 7D. Highway. Madam Mayor, before you move on, can we get Mr. Peabody to vote on the item 7D? Oh, yes. On, exactly. Um, the, oh, yeah. Yes, I will. Yes. Thank you. All right. Um, Highway 111 Master Plan and Council Goals. Discussion and direction regarding overall Master Plan of Highway 111. City Manager. Mayor and Council, we have uh, developed this, uh, I think, a, a useful chart to show you uh, projected dates of projects to get done and the responsible and supported or relating departments. We keep this current with the items that we've completed. So if you would look at the uh, number two, the implement the city attorney evaluation, you'll see that we completed a variety of pieces of that and we put in the description. So when you get this uh, description in the next quarter, you'll receive this report again in the second council meeting in February. We'll have collapsed that and you have only one more meeting to finish up the uh, city attorney evaluation and it will say implement city attorney evaluation completed and it'll begin to collapse it. So we will bring to you after each quarter the description of what's been completed so you can see activities as they go on and then we'll be getting, as we finish things, then we'll be beginning to collapse those categories and hopefully by, uh, by the end of our period we've, uh, we've completed the majority of these. The one that we uh, wanted to bring to your attention, I think uh, primarily uh, we are on target or ahead of most items here. If you have any questions, I'd be happy to answer. We did get in the Highway 111, uh, we were working to do a master plan, that is a review of the length of Highway 111 throughout town and, uh, and what kinds of things you wanted to do with respect to art and landscaping and lighting and maybe even Christmas lighting uh, through the Highway 111 uh, master plan. So we had retained a consultant to uh, interview council, identify the stakeholders, and create for us an RFP of uh, what we would eventually have. Am I? Go ahead. I, I was just seeing um, uh, the tennis garden people are still here. We went through that very fast and approved it. They're, they're here for another item. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> uh, so anyway, as the consultant then interviewed the city council, it became clear to us that there's still a lot of discussion to be had between council members if we really want to do a master plan for the full length of Highway 111 or if they are primarily interested in just the, the Cook 111 intersection or the Cook 111 intersection and Carl Bray uh, Memorial or just the Carl Bray Memorial. So we wanted to stop on that um, and get a little additional direction from you because we have not had the consultant wrap up a project there based on the discussions uh, that they have had with you and they have very good information. So if we want to target that to particular nodes, if you will, on Highway 111, we can still use that consultant to then direct an RFP to do those projects and concentrate on, on specific projects. If you still want to do the Highway 111 master plan, then we'd like those directions, either, either one of those, and then we'll get, uh, keep that project on course. And if you have questions with any of the remaining uh, projects that we're working on, uh, I'd certainly be happy to answer those. All right. Uh, yeah. uh, I did, my only comment is on talking to the gentleman who's looking at the 
master plan personally i think at this point it's it's a waste of money and if we're going to do anything we should concentrate on what had already been promised which would be cow bray and the 111 corridor we're a long way from being able to do anything else on that 111 so i just personally think it's a waste of money to go forward with a complete study and just focus on what was promised in the past uh, that's my comments Mr. Mullaney. The concern that I would like to express, uh, Wade, is, is there any limitation or set time when we have to use CBAG money? I don't believe so. I think it's based on uh, volume of traffic, and so it's a, it's a fairly significant um, time dif uh, distance from us meeting that traffic volume. That might be something to inquire about because when I was on transportation and on the 111 committee, they pretty much had divided up the highway and earmarked certain monies to certain areas. And my concern would be that if we had a large area that we wound up doing nothing on, uh, perhaps we're going to lose uh, the CVAG money, which, as you well know, is very, very sizable. Thank you. Uh Madam Mayor, if yes. I may, uh, because of Mr. Mullaney's uh, uh, discussion and question there, I sit on the Transportation Committee, as you know, at CVAG. Uh, any other project on Highway 111 and through the City of Indian Wells is so far down yeah. on their list that not in our lifetime will it reach uh, the point where there's even a question about it, number one. And that list only deals with roadway construction and has nothing to do with what you're going to do uh, in the green belts along the side of Highway 111. So going back to, to, to your question, no time limit, way down on the list not going to become an issue for us to have to deal with. And with, with that, I, uh, you're beginning to address what my confusion was when this began. I thought we were dealing pretty much with the art and monuments, the public art aspect of the Highway 111 corridor and, and desiring to make a, to have a master plan for that entire corridor so that we don't have a piece of art here and then you know another piece of art down here and then wonder whether or not two years or five years from now this kind of art is going to fit. I thought we were we, the idea was to try to establish a master plan for the entire corridor as it related to art and public places, if you will. That's correct. It was slightly bigger than that in that it would be art and public places and the associated walkways, landscaping, trees, so that we blended uh, those things all together, lighting um, through that corridor. That That is exactly what we are currently progressing on. But I think... The, uh, the comment that the council member uh, Peabody mentioned, we heard a lot, and maybe because that uh, the funding issues are so tight and, uh, and projects are so far out that maybe we should prioritize those, and we just wanted to check in with you and see what your pleasure was. Anyone else? Um, yeah, we discussed this quite a bit at our strategic planning, and, and this is why it's here, was because uh, these items keep coming up, and yes, we get pressure from uh, the Indian Wells Historic Preservation Foundation to 
finish the Carl Bray and we get pressure from Denny Booth about the Highway 111 entrance. Um, and my concern, I don't know that we need a full-fledged Highway 111 uh, plan with all the projects, but I, I, I very definitely do feel we need some sort of theme uh, to uh, complement what Mr. Merton said. Uh, we are a, a unique city with three miles of frontage uh, that has 50,000 cars going by daily. It's the pride of the community since we uh, put in um, the expansion of Highway 111 and put in, in the medians. We uh, have comments weekly on how beautiful it is and you can really tell that you're in Indian Wells. So. Uh, my feeling is that uh, we really do need to have um, the decision on what the theme is uh, and how we go forward. I've always seen, um, of course it's me, but uh, individually, it's not council, but I've always seen Indian Wells, of course I've gone back quite a few years, uh, is the fourth city in the valley. And on the uh, surveying maps, Indian Wells was pinpointed way back in the late 1700s. We have a history like nobody else in the valley. And uh, we've kind of ignored that. And Highway 111 is, is, uh, could be a tremendous compliment. We started with Eisenhower Walk of Honor with a little walkway and, and Ballard's. Uh, and then we have the winding sidewalk all down. Uh, and to just put something at Carl Bray or just put something on the corner without saying, uh, how does this tie in with who we are as a city? Um, and certainly we, we did hire a consultant when we started doing the strategic planning for uh, the golf resort. And, and first they came up, and Patrick, you sat in on those meetings even before you were on council. But first they came up with all the Indian theme and all the Indian bowls and whatever, and we said, no, no, that's not us. We said it's water, and then they came up with a theme that was it looked like the Target logo. It was uh, it was these circles, and they said, "Well, it's like a remember that it was like you put a uh, drop something in the water and it spreads out." But what we decided at the time that that Indian Wells is is more the wells, more the water, more the uh, sustenance of life, and and that that's kind of what we tried to focus on uh, from that that point on. And I hate to see us not incorporate that. And, and what we did at the same time was we redid the, the highway monuments so that at every entrance the highway monuments uh, are the same, where before they weren't. Uh, you had a monument here, you had that rock here and another something there. And we're a small city. And uh, unless we have an overall concept, and it shouldn't cost, it shouldn't take a consultant very much to, to uh, put out a concept and say, here, here's kind of how we see it as we go forward. I see, personally, a marker at, uh, at the corner of Highway 111 and Cook, and certainly I've always been for the fountain that, uh, that we promote, that was designed, uh, not for there, but then we wanted it there. But the markers for who we are as a city as we've gone forward from 1780s whatever 
to us becoming a city and, and the markers and make that three miles a, um, an incredible walk uh, that, um, or bicycle ride or whatever that coordinates with our hotels so that the hotels have a little map and here's this wonderful trail through Indian Wells and you can really learn about the valley and Indian Wells as, as you go forward. If we don't do a master plan, None of that's going to happen. You're going to put the fountain at the corner of Highway 111 or what you're going to do, and you're going to put something at the Carl Bray. And if you coordinate it, it might not have to be on the Carl Bray property because I know that there are problems there. Uh, and that was the old Indian Wells. That was the Indian Village many, many years ago. At any rate, um, to me, you have to have the theme before you go forward. So if I tried to capture all of the comments uh, that I just heard from all of you, and if we went about targeting the major, the ones you just talked about, the, the Cook and 111 and the Carl Bray, um, with developing a theme that complements the assets already in place. So you, you already have a theme, right, if you have. will, but we name that theme. We concentrate on the two. Make sure those two new uh, elements complement your current theme, and we express that theme somehow in the report. Does that get me closer to a master plan that you're supporting? No, because you don't have a budget. Well, you've got to have a budget to even do that. And, and well, I, what I will get get to you for that in our current uh, budget, in our current work, uh, we will bring to you the outline of an RFP that would get you to that, and then you would decide right. to move forward. But I would reshape the RFP from this overall sort of general plan to a more targeted theme to uh, two nodes. Uh, if I may at this point, thank you very much. Um, yeah, I'm glad you said what you did, how you summed that up, because the only thing we're talking about today here is what you're going to be doing with the RFP. Yes, sir. At that point, we will bring, you will then bring back to us that RFP. Mm -hmm. We will then vet the RFP to determine uh, the content and, and how then we would go out with that RFP in order to get some kind of design that's being discussed and the theme and all of that. But before we move off of this item, uh, and, and, and for those in the audience who come to meetings and don't read the agenda, need to take a look at this last item on the agenda and the amount of work the yeoman's work, the staff's work, everything that's being done in this city. And there's a tremendous amount of effort and work going on. And the accomplishments that you have since you've been here, it's very important that our residents see this and know where we are. It is a road map. It shows completion dates. It shows what's going to be worked on. There's a heck of a lot of work here, okay? By, by everyone involved, and that needs to be recognized, okay? And then summing that up to say uh, about the RFP, then if, if, if you were looking for a motion on that, or is this just a receive and file item? It was a receive and file, but I was looking for a consensus of direction, and I feel like you guys all agree with that, that no, no dissension, right? Okay. All right. Sounds good. We move on then to item E, the added agenda item. Uh, this is for an appropriation of up to $10,000 uh, loan 
to the housing authority to hire an investigator to um, to um, find financially um, vet the proposed developer. Is that right, Steve? Yes, that is correct. Thank you. Right. I, I would move to approve the authorization of spending up to ten thousand uh, dollars to an to an investigative service to investigate the proposed partner. I will second that. All in favor? Aye. 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 Opposed? Motion carries. We move on to city manager report and matters from staff. Mayor and Council, uh, this is another project that we had before us. As we mentioned before, we're trying to work our way through the major uh, city projects and um, evaluate them, provide uh, both for the staff, for us, our working conditions, and for the City Council and the community an explanation of just what these projects entail. So we're very excited. This first one that we have completed is regarding the uh, tennis uh, gardens. The relationship between the city and the tennis gardens is now many, many years old and a variety of agreements over the years that have been shaped for this very important asset here in, in Indian Wells. Um, we have prepared for uh, everyone this report that shows on the screen. It's the uh, Indian Wells Agreements and Valuations. Uh, this was a painstakingly long uh, project that uh, I can't tell you how uh, much I appreciate the support from everyone involved. The Tennis uh, Committee, of course, is, uh, is Mayor Pro Tem Martins and Council Member Peabody. Uh, but the tennis gardens themselves, um, uh, Mr. Moore and Mr. Simon, were invaluable assets in putting this together. What we did was staff uh, worked through and took, uh, it started with the very first agreement that we had with the uh, tennis garden. And we identified every benefit and every cost in that first agreement. And we used a, a track changes, if you will. And it's literally on one of the 11 by 17 version pieces of paper. And uh, then we went to the second agreement. And we crossed out, left on there, but crossed out everything that was no longer in the second agreement and added in color everything that was added in the second agreement. And we went through and did that for every year uh, since, I believe, 1998 when we started this um, and, uh, and identified all the programs. So we have uh, in this agreement, that's just a sample of the pages, the final uh, page or the final uh, review, which would show the uh, language from the agreement uh, today. So it would show uh, what is uh, what has been uh, eliminated, added, and what the final product is. So that was our first stage of data collection. And then we reviewed that. We spread it around City Hall. Uh, we asked the tennis gardens to evaluate it and, and identify everything that uh, that uh, should have been a cost or that we had right or wrong in the, in the item. And then we went back to the agreements to check those. Once we really believed that we had a full distribution of all of the costs and benefits, the responsibilities for every party, we went through a process of valuing each of those. So we know how many tennis tickets the city gets on behalf of our sponsorship, and we took the value of those tickets. We know the value of our suites. 
Um, and, and we developed a, a value of each of those items. We also looked at the tennis garden. What value do they get by benefit of us? Now, we were trying to make sure that we captured everything in this report. If anybody finds something, please let me know and we'll add it into here. But we even added things, uh, because we have had a lot of discussion about the city newsletter recently, that one came to my mind. While the tennis garden never asks us to promote them in our newsletter, we do because we want to be associated with them. And so there is some value there. So while they don't ask us, we identified it as a value in this agreement that they get. Um, we also identified the lost revenue that we would get from parking if we otherwise owned the property. So we, in these agreements, have given them uh, for a dollar a year the Warner Trail property, and they're allowed to park cars on, uh, on a variety of occasions. And we have identified what that potential revenue would be to them uh, and included it uh, in this document, so you could see what the what the uh, w the way we termed it was lost revenues to us. So we took it off of their benefit line because it would be a lost revenue to us. So we have literally tried to identify every particular expense and show um, the the um, what what the real agreements are between. So we created what we termed. Uh, hard costs, hard uh, cash, which are things uh, like we pay $250,000 a year for the naming, uh, and we get an admission tax of about $2 million. Uh, we also get TOT. Those are hard cash dollars. Then there are soft cash. Uh, you know, what are the valuations of the advertising that we get? Uh, what would be the value of the suite and resident tickets, brand recognition? The property we identified, um, you know, right now we own the property, so we identified the cost that we put into it. We kept that the same for the potential revenue that we would get out should we sell it. So right now it's a break-even. We don't know if there might be a change to property in the future. And as I mentioned, we identified the um, uh, lost city parking revenue. So we think we've gone to the nth degree to try to present a fair analysis of the agreements, the revenues and the and costs and benefits. So under our uh, calculations, uh, we believe that our annualized cost uh, uh, to work with the tennis gardens is $351,000, and our benefit from having them as a partner is $5,004,000. So we're certainly leveraging our money well. We appreciate the, the uh, uh, partnership with them, and, of course, their expansion is only good news for us. I guess that's one thing I would add to this. Um, in, in the interest of being absolutely transparent and conservative, uh, conservative in our numbers, we didn't uh, uh, put any growth in here. There's no expected growth, even though we know that we, they expect to get new patrons. We didn't add growth. We didn't uh, change inflation. We didn't put interest. We didn't put any of those items. This is real uh, actual dollars. So in our projections, over the life of the contract, we would have put in a little less than $30 million into this relationship 
and we would get almost $116 million of benefit. This has been a, a terrific relationship for us. And we hope to do a similar report for the other major projects in the city so that we could identify and analyze for the council and the community just what these documents uh, and all of the various agreements over time mean. I'd be happy to answer any questions, and uh, I really appreciate. Uh, there's many, many staff people and council members in the, in the uh, tennis gardens that were involved in the development of this report, and it's terrific. The uh, okay. Mayor, awesome. if I may, I, I, would, I would only request that in, in, in the next report that you're going to make, regardless of what it is, that you agendize the item get it out to city council in advance of a, uh, a council meeting so, so, so that all the residents will know what you're bringing to the city council uh, rather than have it in a staff report and faced with it on a day. I just think it would be a lot more transparent, if you would, and uh, better provide information to our residents. You may have a lot of residents in the audience today that would like to comment on it. Well, they, they, they can't comment on it today because they just got it. If you put it out at, on an agenda uh, in advance, a week in advance of the meeting, then everyone gets to see it earlier. That would be my only suggestion. But it was a lot of work you went through to put it there. Let me uh, um, first of all say, having been on that committee, that this is the first time anything like this has been done in this city as far as an in-depth analysis. And uh, I think the tennis garden and uh, Wade and his staff deserve a ton of credit for getting this together. My understanding is the tennis garden agreed with Wade on the numbers and the final document. And, and I, I can't thank you enough, both, both groups, because we need to do more of this. And I know the IW is probably next. But this is the kind of this. This will take the guesswork out. This will get people to stop saying the IW costs this much or this costs this much or we're not getting enough benefit from the tennis gardens. I think this kind of analysis is going to stop those kind of things. I will also hasten to th that to those that look into this kind of a thing with with the minutest detail to put your comments back to Wade. Don't look for a gotcha. Look for suggestions or recommendations or changes. This is not about a gotcha. This is about a man and his staff in the tennis garden that took a ton of time to put this document together. Could there be a mistake? Who knows? Possibly. Probably not a big one, but possibly. It's not about finding the mistake. It's about correcting if there is a mistake. So I just, I just hasten everybody to understand what's gone on. This man's only been with us three months. And this is the first big document like this. And we're going to get more, and it's going to be much better for the city. So I just ask everybody to, to work with us on this kind of an issue. If you see something, get to wait so he can adjust it or answer your question. Thank you. Very good. Anything else? Uh, it, it's wonderful having a comprehensive report like this. Thank you, staff, Tennis Garden, because uh, no question, it was very needed and, and it's beautifully put together. And thank you. All right. Anything else? No, that's it. All right. Councilmember reports and comments. Councilmember Hansen. None. Councilmember Mullaney. 
I only have one thing to report. I'd like to uh, wish all of my fellow council members a very, very pleasant, nice uh, Thanksgiving Day, and to wish all the residents of Indian Wells nothing but happiness and joy on Thanksgiving Day. Thank you. Mr. Peabody. No, nothing. Mr. Mertens. Two quick things. Um, from the public safety, CVAG Public Safety Committee standpoint, um, they are now establishing a, a subcommittee or an ad hoc committee on uh, drunk driving uh, that's going to be looking at uh, of an educational component to where you will educate uh, bartenders and parents and so forth uh, to move just the enforcement is, is, is great. Um, but we feel that there needs to be a little greater uh, effort on the educational aspect. And the Palm Springs, the Greater Palm Springs Convention and Visitors Bureau uh, had a very, very positive report the last meeting I attended uh, in that throughout the valley for the months of October and seemingly November and into the uh, winter and spring, um, the hotels are doing a tremendous volume of business and uh, things are looking very, very positive. Thank you. Very good. Um, Coachella Valley Animal Campus wants everyone to know there's a super pet adoption uh, Saturday and Sunday, December 23rd and 24th at Whitewater Park. Uh, they'll have like 500 animals there uh, for, um, for, for adoption, and they're all spayed and neutered. Um, they um, are requesting that we talk to council to get behind a no-kill uh, ordinance of some sort. There are a number of, of cities that have no-kill, um, and I don't know whether we want to do that or not, uh, but I report on that. Um, the E&E committee uh, is asking cities to apply or pass a resolution to apply to be eligible for a League of Cities award that's uh, given on green susceptibility or sustainability. Um, and um, again, they asked um, about the single-use plastic bag ordinance update, and we do need to uh, discuss that as a council so that uh, as we're representatives on these committees, we can give the uh, city's point of view on these. Um, that's all I have. There was an update on uh, the cities that have places for plug-in electric vehicles. Uh, that's it. City Attorney, please. Thank you. Mayor and Council members, earlier today, 9 a.m., the City Council, the Housing Authority, and the successor agency conducted a special meeting. Part of the special meeting was a closed session of those bodies. Items 4A, B, C, and D were considered and uh, no reportable action was taken. There's no need for any further closed session today. Thank you. All right, thank you. Then at this point, we'll adjourn to a special closed session meeting of the City Council to be held at 10 a.m. on December 5th in the City Council chambers and thereafter to a regularly scheduled afternoon session of the City Council at 1.30 p.m., at which time uh, we will rotate our positions and Mr. Mertens will become the mayor of our city. So be sure and be there to welcome him aboard in that capacity. Thank you very much. Nice seeing all of you. We're going to limit the.